WBNE. Hello from elsewhere. I'm Jordan. And I'm Tyler. This episode comes from my sister's house. Because today we are discussing siblings in fiction. For those of you who may not know, Tyler and I are real life siblings. Uh, I am the older sibling. Jordan has a sibling. Um, (laughs) Yes, I am the younger. Uh, We have a little over an eight year age gap. Eight and a half years, yeah. Uh, And I think that we should just start right from the top with our all important question, which comes to us today from Professor Taylor from the amazing Patreon Discord. And Professor Taylor asks, which fictional sibling pair do you most relate to? Okay, okay. Uh, and I can I can start if you'd like, because I, I have an immediate answer for this. I have this. like a couple different thoughts, like transitionally. Anyway, you, you go ahead. Okay. My immediate thought is Katniss and Prim from I, The I Hunger Games. I thought you would say that. Yeah. I mean, it's uh-huh. almost like you know exactly what I'm thinking. Okay. So I I have thought about Katniss and Prim you know, obviously self-sacrifice that we've done or you, you specifically have done is not, you know, life or death in that way. But like, it feels that way sometimes occasionally. Funnily enough, I was also thinking um, something along the lines of self-sacrifice. Uh, so I feel early in our life, like Lilo and Stitch, like Nani and Lilo very much felt appropriate to where we were at. They have a large age gap. One of them is taking care of the other and very frustrated about it. Oh, that's the tea. I know. I know. I'm so sorry to spill it on you. Uh, As I got older, like I didn't, I didn't need that level of care and oh God, Frozen came out and the level of self-sacrifice that Anna portrays and like, oh, straight to tears, just straight to tears. Um, Yeah. You're already listeners. I I need you to know that Tyler is already tearing up. I can't. And and to prepare for this, we actually watched Lilo and Stitch because it was a mistake. <laughs> one of one of the coolest things in Lilo and Stitch is the whole theme about Ohana. Ohana means family. Family means behind. nobody get nobody gets left behind or forgotten. And yeah, I uh mm, I'm feeling some kind of way looking at that with uh grown-up eyes a little bit just because as as important as family is it also like it is and it isn't forever you know you know i also feel like we relate to simon and river so much oh my gosh especially in the like just even in the core of it like you left for what we thought was going to be med school um (laughs) And and I stayed home and I didn't have experiments run on me or gain any superpowers, but uh, I, I certainly existed for yeah. a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and um, now we have reconnected in adulthood. Yes. And we're so, on this weird adventure together. So that's the thing that I want to talk about, actually. Um, a lot, a lot of siblings in fictional media tend to be kids. And there, there are fewer fictional relationships between siblings as adults that I would describe as particularly healthy. 
Oh yeah. On average. And, and so I want to, I want to talk a little bit about maybe sibling relationships in kids in fiction and sibling relationships in adults in fiction and how they're different and how you feel like they maybe compare to our relationship as siblings now, because we have had the, the childhood experience and we are going through the adult experience of like knowing your sibling as an adult. So some examples of like adult sibling relationships, you have River and Simon kind of, but also River is still extremely young in Firefly. I think she's supposed to be like 17. I I think that's true. You have Loki and Thor as adult siblings uh, in popular media. Um, I'm currently watching Legend of Korra and um, Toph's daughters uh, have an adult relationship that is not the healthiest currently I look I'm like halfway through season three don't don't come at me they might get better but like the, their original relationship where obviously there's been some pain in the past and there's very different outlooks on life um because of how they were raised uh was very interesting and it definitely struck a chord with me when I saw it um can you think of any healthy sibling relationships in media Fiction? in adulthood at this point let me just sit here in silence for a couple seconds. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you ever watched Friends because, oh, so here's here's another thought. Sorry, this is going to be a little jumping around. Having an eight year age gap means that some of the media that we have been exposed to is just very different. But I also feel like when we were younger, I made it a point to introduce you to media that I thought was important and meaningful uh so you as the younger sibling especially because most of your friends growing up were their own eldest siblings yeah Yeah. sort of had a bizarre media taste as a kid yeah that has translated into adulthood yeah you know that's okay um just looking at a list of like healthy sibling relationships or or adult sibling relationships it is all in media that I haven't seen. Any examples you think I've seen? Uh, well, we've seen Stranger Things, so. I haven't. I Or I've seen Stranger Things. Yeah, there's, uh, man, I need to watch, <laughs> I need to watch more TV. I never, ever thought I would say that. You know, okay, so f- for for TV and for movies and such, you need conflict for it to be interesting. Like it, it can't just be something that exists and is, and is functional and is happy. So I feel like there's a lot of reliance on tropes when it comes to siblings, especially like sibling rivalry. How accurate do you feel like the trope of sibling rivalry is Um, in like actual real life? I mean, personally, like, I feel like it's pretty accurate. Not that it was intentional, but there were definitely lots of like comparisons. The thing is, so with this large gap, I spent at least eight years without you around, but still like living in your shadow practically. Like, oh, well, Jordan did this. Well, Jordan did this. And it's like, <laughs> I know Jordan did that. I was there. Mood. And it's like this expectation you feel like you need to live up to where 
you're just, you're just chasing. Uh, Jordan, you did so much. Uh, like, eldest children of the world, please stop it. Please do stop less. What, just <laughs> do less. Stop doing what you're doing. Let, let the younger kids, like, they're going to get away with more, but also they have this expectation on them. That, ugh, that is absolutely true. I'm like, I'm super sorry about that because no matter how much, like, I as an individual did not compare us because realistically, like, there's no reason to compare. Not only that, but I had eight years of existence on you. Even now in adulthood, like we are at wildly different stages in our life. You know, you're in school, I'm well-established in my career and like own a house and you live in that house. It just, it's totally different life stages. So even trying to compare ourselves, it's just kind of futile. Do you find yourself comparing yourself to who I was when I was your age or who you think I was? Not anymore, simply because I just don't see a value in it. And like, I I went to your graduation eight years ago at this point. Oh, good Lord. I'm so sorry to remind you. Um, It'll be nine in May. Yeah. I went to your graduation eight, nine years ago. And I, you know, I wanted to go to college. I wanted to get a degree. And that was kind of before I realized that not everyone's life path is going to look exactly the same. And there is no correct life path. Accurate. There is simply the one you are on. <laughs> and you have no, you have no way to control that other than through action. And I, my actions have brought me up to this point and that's pretty good. Yeah. You're still around. Uh, ah. Another trope that I'm thinking of now is sort of thinking about families and siblings that are portrayed in media and how the number of siblings has a major impact on how families are portrayed, especially because as you add more characters just fully to the story, uh, it becomes harder to have a meaningful, harder to have a meaningful relationship with every single one of those characters. So for example, Cheaper by the dozen. That was immediately what mm-hmm. I was thinking of. Gosh, we are so painfully related sometimes. I, I, yeah. Um, so with Cheaper by the Dozen, they have 12 kids. And realistically, you as the viewer can't have an intimate and exciting relationship with all of them. But the all of the tropes are still there. Like you've got the you know, the, the sassy teenager, the sassy girly teenager who bickers with the super tomboy teenage, uh, not quite teenager girl. You've got the you know eldest daughter who's gone off and tried to start her own life and eldest son who's not following his dad's dream, but his own. Right. And so you still have all of these tropes and you have a lot of forgotten middle children. And, you know, the, <laughs> the weird thing is I feel like even with 12 siblings, even with 12 kids, I can still like see us in each of those characters in some way. Like I can see us in every single interaction. Sure. Of those siblings. Like, like even the two youngest twins who are uh, obnoxious little boys who just like do everything in unison. We all the time are doing things in unison Annoyingly, just yeah. because um, we we think two alike, 
in movies that have more children, they probably make them a little bit more one dimensional because it, again, like it's hard to focus if you have like very multidimensional uh, characters and lots of them. Um, but I, I think cheaper by the dozen did a pretty good job of it. Um, I have, I have a trope in mind that uh, maybe you'll be interested in. Yeah, go for it. Um, it's, it's always that the parents have both passed and, now one child is raising the other or, or caring for the other or simply the only person left for that. As in Lilo and Stitch, my sister's keeper. Um, frozen. Fr- yeah, Frozen. E- even I mean, it s- tops it out at the, the beginning of the movie. <laughs> like Right. Um, although Frozen is different because initially, at least, Elsa is not primarily taking care of Anna. Correct. They, they are, are both children. Isolated. Yeah, isolated and both children. So someone is taking care of them, just not each other. So you ask about this trope. What What is your question? How, like, does it seem, it just, it feels like it happens very often. Do you feel like it happens in media more often than it does in the real world? See, I I think it expresses in media in the way that the parents have passed, but it's not always that the parents have passed. Uh, like maybe maybe there's just a parent that's not in the life. Maybe uh, there's a strained relationship with a parent or both. And it, it isn't per se that they're gone, but it, that they have no meaningful impact on someone's life. Like we never see other than in like cutscenes, Simon and River's parents. Well, because they intentionally isolated themselves from Simon after he went after River. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. Do you think that having deceased parents portrays that like lack of relationship well? Big Hero 6, they're being raised by their aunt. So it, it even Jumanji, they're being raised by their aunt. Um, so it it's a shortcut, I think. I think it is a media shortcut of like, we need to make it so that these characters really only have one another that, on whom they can rely because it it sort of establishes need need and potentially even a sense of urgency depending on what that relationship is or, or what the story is because they really only have one another to rely on i feel like the word i'm looking for is longing like it it, it can show your main characters longing for that connection to their parents whether that the parent is gone or that the parent is um, aloof. And I, I think I think you can even see these in spaces where like the parents are technically around and alive or not always around, such as in Little Women where the mom is around and the dad is away. And so the girls are all very reliant on one another for their support system. Is that something that you feel like is a reality uh and specifically is that something that you feel like is our reality yeah and i think with also like with our age gap like you definitely did have to fill in their role a lot whether intentionally or not and i think that's what a lot of the 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 trope-esque movies describe to me is like lack of parental figure Elder sibling steps in to be parental figure. Elder sibling 
does not understand transitional from adulthood or childhood to adulthood. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, that feels very um, right on the tip of the iceberg right there. I am. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that you say, yes, you feel like that represents reality and our reality because at least what you were describing, a lot of those feel like, like they're done out of obligation almost. And I know that that's like, maybe it's because we're coming at this from the two different sibling perspectives, like looking at Simon and river from firefly. I don't feel like Simon ever felt like he had to, like he was being forced to help his sister. He wanted to looking at Katniss from hunger games. She never like, like it was not a, choice. I just think it's an instinct. Yeah, it is it is an absolute instinct to do the thing. So for me, like it does not feel like a choice to step up if you need someone. I'm just there. And further than that though, while I feel like it's instinct to step up, I also try to do the thing where I also give you the space and distance to have people who aren't me who you feel like you can rely on because it's it's great to have a sibling on whom you can rely and know that they're going to be there for you no matter what and all of that but I'm only one person and I don't like I don't want to be your everything I'm the reason that you came to the town that we're in now but I don't want to be the only reason you're here does that make sense yeah I I uh... Prior to our parents' divorce, us being isolated was absolutely a deal. And like the past year, we've been isolating. <laughs> Just a little, you know. Just a little. Um, and I think before that, we were a little bit more spread out. Um, I was definitely spreading my wings here. But in the first year, I mean, I didn't know anyone other than the people you worked with. And lovingly, I don't want to spend time with uh, them. Uh, it's almost like they're a decade older yeah, than it's you almost and like have they're a decade older than me yeah. and we have just nothing in common at all and like I don't I don't feel uncomfortable anymore like talking to people who are older than me because simply I don't care um but uh, but like yeah maybe if we don't have anything in common it'll be a very short conversation well and I think that the striking thing too is that you have made you have made friends in your own age demographic. I have friends in my own age demographic and we have shared friends who sort of meet somewhere span, in the middle, span yeah. around the middle. Exactly. Something that you said, actually talking about the last year kind of triggered something in my brain. Okay. Fictional siblings who definitely need to go to family therapy. <laughs> Oh yeah. All uh, of them. All of them. Like literally every single one of them. And I, I think with, uh, okay, so let's talk about frozen because that's a relationship that needed therapy so bad. And then they ended the movie and they were just totally fine. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. And of course there was these, or, uh, frozen two, which had, you know, its own different conflict, but it wasn't really between the sisters. Yeah, it was it was it was like not a between sister conflict. Although there was a little bit of between sister conflict of Anna being like, you're trying to run off again and no. But like, I I simply, ref- like making one big effort does not erase. A lifetime of torment? Yeah. And I understand that the big effort was made by Anna who felt the torment, but like, hmm, hmm. It's a little suspicious. Uh, like 
I've that relationship could have used therapy. That's all. <laughs> Retweet. So talking about Anna and Elsa and sort of seeing where where they got it from. Mm-hmm. Seeing their parents, seeing how they interacted with their parents, at least a little bit with, you know, Elsa being afraid of her powers and uh, them sort of pushing her to isolate herself uh, because she, they were afraid she couldn't control her powers and she was afraid she couldn't control her powers. And like before that happened, they clearly had a fun and playful relationship. And then they very significantly and severely became isolated from one another. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, like, like it was their parents who actually made that decision. Like Anna and Elsa did not make the decision to isolate themselves. I wouldn't even say that Elsa had any sort of say in that decision-making because like, like she was operating out of fear. So were her parents. Yeah. But, but she was operating out of fear. I think it's kind of interesting that that one injury, even though it was pretty severe that Elsa inflicted upon Anna caused their whole relationship to basically collapse her isolation. Elsa's isolation kept them from actually growing a relationship. And that explains the miscommunication they had as adults because, well, we've never communicated since being children. Um, And also, you know, like Anna's rash rash decision-making and Elsa's um, instinct to uh, shut down anything that brings an outsider in or her out. Yeah. It, it, it almost begs the question, like how much less therapy would you have needed now if your parents had gotten therapy when they were your age? <laughs> we, we are very pro therapy here. We, we are very pro therapy here. We, we love our therapist. Yes. Or our family therapist. Like, yes. We, like- we, we have a, joint therapist that we we see every so often and I true like you never think communication is your issue because you talk too much and then you realize that you're not talking about the important things mm-hmm. like how are you feeling today like have you eaten today <laughs> have you eaten today yes I had soup good um me too it was leftovers it was delicious <laughs> I'm so mad um yeah but yeah, it and one of the recurring themes I would say in in all of our conversations with our therapist has been like, oh, this thing that we picked up from our parents. So like specifically if you are siblings with someone and you were raised in the same household as them, you sort of pick up the same bad habits. Mhm. And it it just feeds into it all. It it compounds on itself because you can't you can't fix a thing that you don't realize is broken. And if both of you don't realize that that thing is broken, it just makes it worse. Whereas at least if you're talking about friend relationships or romantic relationships or spaces where you know you you grew up in different environments, you at least have the opportunity to maybe be coming at a problem from two potential problem solving backgrounds but we're coming at it from the same one we're always coming at it from the same one and it's uh it was a little bit garbage for a while yeah (laughs) for me personally one of the distinct pleasures of being your sibling has been learning who you are as an adult 
and and I think that this is actually a really interesting thing. I'm going to briefly tie it back to Cheaper by the Dozen because the oldest sibling there, uh, Nora, she had moved out mm-hmm. and wanted her own life separate from her family, which is incredibly valid, especially, yes. especially as an oldest daughter where both in media and in real life, there's a little bit of this trope of the oldest daughter being a stand-in parent mm-hmm. a sp- and the bigger your family gets, the more, more common true that, that gets. Becomes- I mean, even with us and it was literally our parents and the two of us. Yeah. I became a stand-in parent in a lot of situations, sometimes literally. (laughs) Um, And it can be hard as the elder sibling to sort of remove yourself from that family unit and try to build your identity without it. But also in that sort of situation, it is fairly frequent where your siblings in your brain stay the age that they were when you left home and like are perpetually the 10 year old that you would have been when Mm -hmm. I left home for the first time. And so as you grew into a teenager and, you know, now an adult, I had to re meet you as an adult. I had to re learn who you were. And frankly, you had to do the same for me. I did because even though like you have always been older than me, like I originally like, I have like conscious memories of you when I was like eight. So you were like 16 and you know what you were into at 16? Pranks. You know what you're not into (laughs) at all anymore? Pranks. Or just like (gasps) teasing, but like very polite teasing. Like I'm not touching you. My pranks at this point are... Things like putting googly eyes on the underside of the toilet lid. And her pranks at 18 were pouring cold water in the shower. I stand by it. It was funny. It was cold. (laughs) If you live with someone else and you hear them showering in the shower, you should get a big cup of very cold water. You should not do this. Do not listen to this mad woman. (laughs) Especially if you can get it from the fridge and just stand in the bathroom and wait. And then when you, specifically when you hear them step out from underneath the water. Yeah, because it hits the ground different than it hits your head. Yes, then you dump it on top of their head. That is all. I Okay, so in this relationship, I am Loki and you are Thor right now. Correct. <laughs> Although, you know, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I've ever pulled a successful prank on you. I mean, you've pulled that prank on me before. The thing is, you can always hear it, so you get back under the water, because I am like half a foot shorter than you. So I have to get on the (laughs) toilet to do it. I can't just do it regularly. You can just reach over you giant. Um, And then there's me who has to crawl up under the toilet and like peek. You see me. We know what's going to happen. You just get under the hot water and it doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about other uh, healthy and unhealthy things that are in sibling relationships in media. I want to jump back to hunger games for a minute because I feel like we haven't We haven't touched on this aspect. It hurts. It hurts to touch on the Hunger Games. Um, So first of all, there is no world in which I can read or watch the third book movie of Hunger Games and not weep. weep. I remember the first time I read it, I was in high school and you know how you just like read a book and then it's two in the morning. I got to that point. I just stopped reading. I just closed the book 
I just started opening. I, God, I've got tears in my eyes right now. You can cry. It's okay. Uh, this is yeah. a cry-friendly podcast. Um, and I just remember, like, God, so desperately wanting to call you. But I knew if it was 2 in the morning, it was 3 in the morning for you. And I just didn't want to bother you. And I think I did call you the next day. And I was like, Jordan, why didn't you tell me that it happens? Because I hadn't read it yet. Do you not remember that? Mm-mm. You read it before I did. Yeah. I feel like we've read it fairly close to one another as well because I remember reading that book and I I put the book down and walked away after it happened and I called you. Like that that was the only thing that I could do in that moment because very much as a a self-insert protagonist um seeing Katniss experience the loss of her sister was like watching myself lose you. When you read those books, did you view yourself as Katniss or did you view yourself as Prim? Um, I think it's very easy to view yourself as the main protagonist of the story. And I think for most of the scenes, I probably viewed myself as Katniss. But then there were the scenes with Prim and I knew I wasn't Katniss. But like, it didn't take me, it didn't deter from the story at all for me. But like, I was very aware that in those moments I related to Katniss. Although I still felt what Katniss was feeling in those moments of just like, I cannot let this happen. I simply cannot let this happen. I can't believe this is happening. I love that you're sitting there trying not to cry right now. Hey, it's just a little dusty in here. The other striking thing to me about Hunger Games, um, Mockingjay, mm-hmm. Mockingjay is number three, Catching Fire. Uh, is that in the time between Hunger Games 1 and Hunger Games 3, enough years have passed for Prim to be... Not an adult, per se. Basically not an adult, but ready to go to war. Like an 18-year-old in America. Yeah. Um, Also, I think it's really funny that that entire sentence was said back and forth between the two of us, just filling in the gap. Like, Like, that's real sibling relationships is knowing what the other one is thinking and going to say and, and just being in sync and like also sometimes being completely out of sync. Oh yeah. And it's, it's been a real problem. Um, sorry to Ethan from late to the party who edits that. And I often, okay. I think I've stopped at this point or at least slowed, but in the first few episodes, Jordan would like be looking for a word at the end of a sentence. And I would just like be filling in like rooster. Um, and it it would just be wrong. And also, it just doesn't sound that good on a podcast about D&D. Uh, to have one person start a sentence and then the other person finish it. Yeah, absolutely not. But yeah, in, in Hunger Games 3, Prim is old enough to have like made decisions for herself. And so in after, I, I love how we're just dancing around what actually happens because neither one of us can bring ourselves to say it because... It is just too hard. I, I bet there are more examples of that in media, but that's the one that is clearly going to my head. And okay, you know what? Let's talk about this. Let's talk about Serenity. Okay. Simon gets hurt. River says, my turn. My turn. How would you react if I got hurt? Um, I would, I, I, I could do nothing. It's a really helpless feeling. It's, like seeing someone you love so much 
hurting and not being able to do anything about it, it's like, it's hollow and, and empty yet you feel so smothered all the same. Like, like everything is too big and, and you can't reach anything, but also everything is piling on top of you. Anyway, this has been uh, <laughs> reliving trauma with Jordan. Yeah. God, you want to talk about reliving trauma. Um, you did experience a very real feeling of hopelessness. Do you think that feeling has ever been portrayed to you in media? Um, so for listeners who... Do you want me to do it so you can yes. think? For listeners who don't know... Um, oh, God, is it four years ago now? Four years ago, I was in a pretty severe car accident um, and I broke my L1 vertebrae. Um, And if you didn't know, um, the spinal cord is inside your vertebrae um, or around it. You know, I'm not a doctor. Um, And I think Bill Nye was the one that called the spinal cord the superhighway to the brain. And so for a while... uh, well, short term, they needed to operate on me. They needed to put me under. Um, I had complete loss of sensation and movement in my legs um, and pretty much everything below my belly button. And Jordan at the time lived in Florida. And you were in Illinois. Correct. And so there was this distance and there were, let's see, I think the accident happened around six in the morning and you... Got there by midnight. Nine? I, I got there by midnight. So I was supposed to be, and see, this is this is part of that hopelessness. So I think, honestly, like we just watched Lilo and Stitch and there's the scene right at the end of the movie when Lilo gets captured, captured and put into a little vessel that ostensibly is going to take her to outer space. And never return. And... But but even before that, she was going to be taken by protective child protective protective services. services. Yeah. So, Nani, who is the older sibling and was caring for Lilo, but obviously that's incredibly hard to do because Nani herself was fairly young. So you know, caring for herself was enough work, let alone caring for um, an eight-year-old with lots of special interests and. and simply just an eight-year-old experiencing yeah, loss. Eight-year-old at, at, undergoing grief. <laughs> at too early of an age to understand what grief yeah. is supposed to be. Um, or how it's supposed to be handled. Yeah, so the the way the way that Nani just sat there knowing that that bad was coming, basically, that that Lilo was going to be taken away from her in a predictable way, like there's loss there. But then being taken in the unpredictable way. Being taken in the unpredictable way, I think, really, really explains and and personifies the the pain and the grief and the fear that goes along with, I don't know if I will ever see this person again. Also, like... Nani's also experiencing all of these feelings that Lilo is experiencing and maybe has more context, but no more um, preparedness. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I that was the worst day of my life and will probably stay that way. I hope it is. Until so until like, I actually lose you. God, that sounds terrible, but like um yeah, I hope that's the worst day of your life. Um I hope nothing is worse than that. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, it's I remember when you were in the hospital and you you were like weirdly self-blaming. It, it could have been the cocktail of drugs that you were on. Um, it could have been the fact that uh, you couldn't feel the bottom half of your body and, and you were just going through a lot of trauma, mm-hmm. but you expressed regret and remorse that the things happened the way that they did and that you didn't do anything to stop them. And I had already personally ruminated on that same set of emotions of like, well, maybe if I had pushed them to come live with me in Miami more strongly, or maybe if I had called them more often such that, you know, I knew that they were up late and not feeling well. And I could have told them, you know, maybe you shouldn't go to work since you're feeling so crappy and and all of these things. And I realized that, none of them mattered because there were a million ways where it could have gone differently. And in half of them, you were fine. And in the other half, you were way worse off. That's, I remember you telling me that and just sitting there accepting that surviving was more important than my comfort, my personal comfort at that moment. I don't know what I would have done if I actually had lost you. You know, um, I've been thinking about this for a couple minutes. I think younger children get it easier, not for the myriad of reasons that we all talk about, but I have never experienced life without you. Oh, yeah, you cry now. (laughs) (laughs) But like genuinely, I've never had to experience a day where I didn't know there was a person named Jordan who I uh, share a lot of genetic information with who loves me to the goddamn bottom of my core um like every fiber and ounce of my being and I've just been able to accept this for my whole life that's that's a good point though um the the media trope even even on like tiktok and all of the creators talking about like oh you know the eldest sibling the youngest sibling choose your fighter yeah that the youngest sibling or the younger sibling, if there's just two of you, like gets away with everything. And like, I wasn't allowed to date until I was 16 and you had boyfriends when you were 13. And right. Because I was 13 in high school. Things like staying out late weren't really something that I did. And you got the opportunity to, and I'm sure you broke a lot more rules than I did. Like I I was a little bit of a rules follower and Um, I was a little bit of a liar. Um. (laughs) Hey, you were, you were smart. You were good at it. Oh yeah. Um, but that doesn't make it any better. No, it really doesn't. Uh, but like, yeah, you, you totally got away with things and I like set the stage to make things easier in certain ways, but also I made it harder by setting a ridiculously unreachable bar that our parents kept expecting you to meet. Uh, so I made it harder and easier, but yeah, you never had to have a world that I wasn't in it. Whether near or far, but like 
always there. Um, have you seen Wicked? I haven't, not yet. I really want to. Post pandemic, let we'll we'll find a, a place to do it. But uh, I'm giving you the lightest of spoilers for it. That a big part of the launching off point is that Alphaba, uh, Wicked Witch, mm-hmm. uh, her her whole existence is basically she's at that school because her younger sister's going and she's kind of her sister's keeper because her sister has a physical disability. Um, and I haven't seen it since your accident, uh, nor have I really thought about it in depth since your accident, but uh, the whole point of Wicked is to be a prequel to The Wizard of Oz, and Elphaba had given her sister the shoes, the ruby red slippers. Well, now I also hate Dorothy. Yeah, right? Wow. Um, and Galinda for allowing her to take, take the shoes. Yeah, it's real mess. Um, but so it, I'm not going to spoil anything else. But yes, like... I don't view myself as your keeper because I, I know that you are a fully autonomous person who has their own hopes and dreams and life and inner monologue and all of those things. Like you are a full and complete person. But if I lost you for any reason, it would be hard for me to give up anything that is yours. I'm sorry for being a hoarder while you are a minimalist. Uh, It's fine. I think we even each other out, but. Yeah. And really, I think, I think that's what sibling relationships in media and in real life are supposed to be like a healthy sibling, sibling relationship is about, balancing each other but also meeting the other person where they're at like is unconditional love for your siblings healthy he turned into a snake he knows i love snakes and i when i picked up the snake he turned back into himself and then stabbed me ha ha i don't think it's healthy i think there should always be a limit to i i think there should always be an available limit to say I cannot deal with this with the right communication. I don't think it's that hard to love someone and have it feel very unconditional. Um, I was thinking about again, uh, legend of Korra because again, I'm in season three. Don't judge me. Um, and spoilers. There was, uh, Tarlock and his brother, who is Amon, this villain who's taking people's bending away. Um, and they were raised by their dad together to get back at the Avatar for taking the dad's bending. And in the end, Amon... I know he has a different name, but Amon is driving away and he's like, we can, we can escape together. We can start a new life. We can, we can bloodbend there so we can get our way. 
and Tarlock makes the extremely difficult decision to blow up the boat they're on. Um, wow. And I think, I think maybe that is unconditional love. Like loving someone so much, but you see their flaw and being the last person on the planet that they trust, you know, you can do what needs to happen to have other people not suffer the consequences of not doing it. That's heavy. I know. I, I wasn't ready for it. When it happened, I, oh, it, uh, like they built up the, the character of Tarlock so much that you could hate him. And then he does the selfless thing. This has been a therapy session with Jordan and Tyler. <laughs> Uh, this has been Try Not to Cry Challenge 2021 <laughs> with Jordan and Tyler. <laughs> um, so you wow. want to talk about another gut punch? Sure. Let's let's do it. Let's just get them all out. Big Hero 6. <laughs> um, like right at the top. Right at the top. I like I didn't expect it. And I really liked the older brother's character. I'm forgetting literally every character, but Tadashi. Wasabi. Tadashi. Tadashi's um, the older brother. I don't remember what the younger brother's name is. Either way. Because um, you can't revisit the movie without yeah, um, seeing us in it. Oh my gosh. And just like seeing how Tadashi is very brave, very much resonated with me and I hated it. Because um, I, I saw you in that moment. Like I know it's like, I, Damn, it was you. It hurt. It hurt so bad. I like pot every time I watch a sibling duo in media and one of them is hurt, I simply must restrain myself from sobbing uncontrollably until I have dehydrated myself. <laughs> Do you think as a sibling that you will no matter what you do, always see yourself in sibling pairs in media. Unfortunately, yeah. And I don't I don't think like the genders have to align. That really is unimportant to me. Mm -hmm. um, well, and again, as we have grown into adults and grown to know each other in adulthood, the sibling pairs that I see ourselves in have changed. You know, I, I used to see us so much in, in Nani and Lilo, and I still do. And and I I said right at the top of this episode that I see us in Katniss and Prim. But realistically, at this point in our lives, I see Katniss and Prim almost as our history. The, I would have done anything and laid down my life to protect you. And don't get me wrong, I would still do that. But in... The later books, Prim is more grown up and she's allowed to make her own decisions and Katniss takes a more hands-off approach. And I I try very hard to not make decisions for you or decisions that would impact you without your input. Here's a sibling duo we haven't talked about yet. Tahani and Camilla. How do you feel about that one? So Camilla's supposed to be the younger sibling. Correct. Who wins the affection of their parents very regularly and just simply seems to be doing pretty good. 
I mean, Tahani's doing well too. And I know that you're building it up because you see yourself as Tahani and you see me as Camilla at least for 29 years of my life. No, I see myself as Tahani because I hope I die first so I don't have to experience life without you ever. <laughs> this is a bit an uno reverse on you. <laughs> uh, that's that's the trick. So you you never have to experience a life without me in it. Yeah, and you have to experience it twice. Rude. I know. I'm sorry that you felt like you were living in my shadow growing up. I am very over it now, but it did hurt as a kid. Oh, oh, okay. So especially when, like, before you went to college, and then we moved away from our hometown, um, and every single teacher called me Jordan. Oh, even with an eight-year gap in school. Even with an eight-year gap, you were such a memorable little teacher's pet that, of course, and then when I didn't perform as well, like, they scolded me harder. Um, like, it became a non-issue once we moved, and, like... Teachers were scolding me for just being dumb anyway. Um, or a nun scolding me for not having my shirt tucked in. Thank your, uh, thank your uh, good graces that you didn't have to go to a Catholic school. Um, Every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't, like, I feel like we have separate entities now. Like, we definitely still work together on things um, and things that we definitely enjoy. We are each our own separate, fully fleshed individuals who are always in one another's orbit, but not necessarily on the same path. Mm -hmm. So I might actually change my answer from the top of the episode. Okay. I saw us most in Katniss and Prim. But now I think I see us more as Thor and Loki. I would be Thor in this scenario. I don't know how I landed as Loki, but I'm not mad about it. Hey, I'll be Chris Hemsworth any day, but, but they each have their own interesting and individual stories. And the thing is, they would still absolutely go to bat for one another, especially in the later phases of the MCU. Like, let's just get past Avengers one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm even thinking about that moment in Thor Ragnarok where Thor gets thrown around by the Hulk and you see Loki cheering being like, yeah, now you know how it feels. <laughs> yes. And like how that's mirrored in you being excited that I have flaws and hardships. And like, I don't, Oh God, I love it when you bully yourself because then you're doing my job for me. <laughs> and then I get to swoop in like a white knight and be like, you know, you're like brilliant, right? And it's so easy. You make it so easy. But also when we were kids, you kind of thought, I mean, you were like my own personal Superman. Right. Like you, you toted me around on the back of your bike for so long that I never learned how to ride a bike. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, seeing has seeing some of my cracks and flaws made you love me any less or God. diminished any of our siblinghood. No, I think it adds a layer of humanity. And like, 
I think that's I think that's what I wanted to touch on with Tahani and Camilla. Camilla. Because I don't think Camilla is flawless. Camilla painted the same painting a million times in different ways. And it took Tahani to realize that. All right, Tyler, any um any last minute thoughts before we wrap up here? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking like maybe maybe instead of relating to like Lilo and Nani, I really kind of relate to like T'Challa and Shuri. Cause like you're all brawn and I'm all brains. Excuse you. <laughs> you know what I mean. But anyway, this has been so lovely. Um, thank you to Casey and Valerie for letting us take over for this episode. Oh, absolutely. This, this was an absolute blast. And I love uh, just being able to work with such really cool creators. I think that that's a, a huge uh, benefit to being in the WBNE podcast network. Uh, with that though, I would love to uh, plug the hello from elsewhere, Patreon page that you can find at patreoncom slash hello from elsewhere. They have a uh, lovely, like the loveliest, most wholesome discord I have ever laid eyes on. Some of the people are just, I mean, every, every single person, just what a sweetheart. Yes, absolutely. And and you can get that Discord access for uh, just $3 per month again over on that Patreon page. And if you want to check Hello From Elsewhere out on other social media, uh, check out Elsewhere underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, artwork is done by Vaishon and his Instagram is graphite.vmb. Uh, and you can check out Hello from Elsewhere and all of the other wonderful network shows at WBNE.org. Yeah, check Jordan and I out on Late to the Party or uh, Curly Critics or Unsobered Pod. You know, we have so many good shows. Just check us out. Absolutely. And happy, happy beeps. beeps.